Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Again, before we get into it, I want to please remind you to take a second to go to my YouTube channel. You can find by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. There you'll find every episode in its full video versions as well as smaller clips and highlights from those episodes. And also, if you haven't done so, please go to Instagram and follow me at felix.levine to stay updated on new episodes and everything related as it comes out. Also, if you're listening to this right now, please just take a quick second to go rate and review this five stars on Apple's podcast app. That would be a massive help. And my guest today, he is one of the greatest combat sport athletes of all time, and I am super excited to have him on the show. Please welcome the Super Samoan, Mark Hunt. And we're live. Mark Hunt, thank you uh, for taking the time today, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. So I was just curious as we as we get into it to go into a more chronological sense and see how, for listeners that that don't know your story, uh, to kind of take us back into the early days of what a what a young Mark Hunt was like as a as a young kid growing up in uh, in this world, and if there was you know how that then played into into you becoming uh, getting into the world of combat sports. So how I started fighting, I was, um, you know, out with the boys, young teen, you know, got into a, a street fight outside a nightclub. So the bouncer became my first coach. And four days later, I was actually in that uh, same nightclub uh, punching on in a Muay Thai fight. So I was uh, 16 or 18 years old, I think, and that's how I ha- had my first Muay Thai fight. And so I started fighting, um, you know. So, yeah, if you don't know that about me, that's what uh, how I started uh, Muay Thai fighting was turned into kickboxing in the K1. And then uh, 2003, I thought more or less, moved into the world of MMA. And for you, as a, as a kid growing up, what did you expect or, or hope that your life would become? Did you have a, like a dream job when you were, when you were young, 8, 10-year-old? Well, not really, no. To be honest, I didn't really have any dreams or aspirations. I uh, was pretty much just, uh, I was homeless at 8 years old. I was... You know, I was in the tree. <laughs> I was running away from my dad and I was, uh, um, you know, I, I slipped in the fucking school tree to start the night. Within uh, two weeks uh, later, they caught me at uh, hiding out somewhere else. <laughs> so, you know, I had no dreams of uh, becoming doing it or doing anything. I just dreamt about things getting better, you know, dreamt about having something to eat these days. <laughs> That's the, the way where Mark Hunt grew up, especially with fighting. That's why I think I'm pretty good at it, so... At the end of the day, I was just uh, surviving a shitty childhood, to be honest. And, and what, um, oh, that's where, where that went. So I had no dreams of aspirations or goals. Or, I was just trying to survive childhood life. And and for you, will you talk about um, what it was like to, you know, when you talk about being virtually homeless, what that was like, and then what, you know, ultimately well, that's done? To be, to be honest, the eight years, I don't know. I, I was, you know, I was at home. I, I was uh, form two, I think it was, um, in... Um, in New Zealand, and uh, you know, I just uh, I was uh, I dropped the dish uh, when I was washing the dishes, and my dad I just got the back end of the the, the it's called a, a hose that they use for the laundry machines, and the laundry machines back in the days were like uh, they spun around like this, you know, and, he, and there was a hose that connected from the pipe, the water pipe to the hose that put water in it. So he whacked me with that, the freaking piece of shit, and I because it was I think it nearly split my ear, it just blew up, and I. And I, and I run for it. So I run, I jumped out the fucking laundry window and I was out in the streets. So I run and, and I just keep running. So I, um, my first night was, was kind of, kind of weird hiding in the trees and in, in the school. And, um, the tree was kind of, it was kind of weird tree because the tree was like a flat tree and you could climb in, into it under it and, and, and sit in the middle of it. And, you know, it's kind of sort of for an eight year old, it's kind of hard to try and look around. I mean, I went and closed on a, uh, some clothes to get some warmth. Uh, closed like some towels from the from the apartments next door, but the funny thing was, they were wet, <laughs> and they were still. Uh... So that was my first night. Uh, you know, then the next two weeks I was uh, in schools, uh, after schools, and hiding around. You know, at at uh, at that age. So yeah, 
And where did your where did your parents did your parents like go looking for you? What what was that? Well, they caught me like a couple of weeks later. I was at a play a guy's place. A friend of mine, his name is Freddie Baker. So I think his parents told my parents, and uh, of course my parents would have been looking for me. But um, you know, I was standing in there, and the, you know, probably wearing Freddie's clothes, and <laughs> and they came in and, and grabbed me. Or my 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 mum did, and and that was my. Uh, my running away from home and that's the homelessness started. So I just took a, got back home and then, yeah, so yeah. And how did you, how did the coming home part take place? How did you go back home eventually? Well, I was grabbed and taken back home and stayed at home from then on. It was, it was, it was uh, like I said, an eight year doesn't uh, think of things different other, you know, doesn't think like that at that age. So, you know, growing up, I wasn't uh, thinking about dreams and ambitions. I was thinking about other things like uh, surviving this fucking shithole place I was living in. <laughs> and, you know, you I've heard a bunch of uh, interviews of you in the past couple of days when I've been researching. And, uh, you know, you talk a lot about this, uh, your father and, and the relationship that you guys had. And how do you think that, um, you know, that affected you as a, as a fighter? Was that a source of motivation at all? Was there, you know, did it make you uh, an angry child because of the abuse that you saw? Like, what was that like? Yeah, it was. Uh, there was no relationship between uh, my father and my, my my siblings and my parents. It was uh, my father was just a you know just a dirtbag to be honest, and he didn't even drink or do drugs. Wow. <laughs> he was just a dirtbag. So, um, and he and he was good at warfare, mental warfare, and fucking giving a beating the shit out of us to be honest. So, um, yeah, uh, there was no relationship. It was just we were shit scared, and that's basically it. So. And how he mentally tormented us was, you know, we'd start with like half an hour or an hour on our knees. He said, get on your knees. And, he'll, and he'll, one time he had actually gone, because we had a pear tree, tree outside the house, he'd gone, cut the pear tree while we were watching him. And we're like, oh, shit, we just, you know, we were fucking shit scared because he's going to fucking use those branches on us. <laughs> he's such a fucking fresh heater, dumb cat. You know what? So, um, did you, do you think that, uh, like when, when you were fighting, uh, you know, did, they, did you use that as a source of inspiration or a source of motivation or a source of hate? Well, yeah, of course. I used it as, um, you know, being coming from a, a background with not much, you know, you had to fight for a lot for everything, to be honest. And, um, you know, my dad was pretty ruthless, especially with, uh, you know, and I, we all uh, copped a lot of beatings, to be honest. And the thing was, you know, like, you know, fighting's um, a lot to do with affliction, you know, and affliction's a lot of you know, pain, so... We copped a lot of that uh, growing up and uh, surviving a lot of that, to be honest. And um, I grew a big, a high threshold for pain tolerance, to be honest. Do you think that's if, why? Um, do you think if you yeah. didn't, um, you know, face this abuse uh, from your father, you would have gone into fighting still? I don't think so. I don't think I would have been a fighter. I would probably. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't know what I was going to do as growing up. I, I, all I was just trying to do was survive a shitty childhood and deal with the cars that the almighty has given me, you know, he gave me these shitty cars. I'm like, fuck, what is this? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Well, you know, I, I, I we all dealt with it the way we dealt with it. Uh, you know, my, the, my brother above me killed himself, I think, three or four years ago. The other brother, uh, a brother above him is, um, is a schizophrenic. He's been like that for like 30 something years. And my older sister, you know, who got, who got the most punishment out of all of us. Um, she's, she's doing all right now. She's still doing okay. She's surviving just like me. So, you know, we're survivors. And do you have any any advice? You know, because now that you're this this big, uh, you know, celebrity, um, you know, you have a, a platform that to to talk and people listen to you. Do you, you know, there, for the kids that are out there that uh, you know, are facing similar abuses or don't know who to talk to or what to what to really think? Do you have any, you know, looking back on it, pieces of advice for that could help other kids that are in similar, you know, abusive situations? Yeah, of course. You know, I, I'm not a celebrity or anything like that. I don't consider myself like that. You know, I'm just uh, someone that's changed my life and the cycle of, of abuse and everything, and 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 gone the positive route, or the better way. I mean, despite the the, the harsh cards I was given, and I, and I always got to say, you know, there's always someone else worse than you. And I know a few people that have had a worse scenario. You know, I, I count my blessings to be here and still fighting and be alive. To be honest, I. I treat my kids fairly and differently. I want to give them, you know, I want them to be kids as long as they can be kids. Um, you know, for those that are in this sort of garbage, you don't deserve to be treated badly. Um, it's not your fault that you're, you, you've been treated badly because of, you know, probably my parents didn't get taught that a different way. Probably they didn't understand. They probably got abused the same thing. So it's a, it's a bad cycle. Um, you can, um, 
you can use this to change your your life. Uh, you can use this to help yourself, um, to better yourself. You know, and despite all the people, all the people, the naysayers, all the all the kids that made fun of you going to school, and, and you know, said you were a shit because you know because your shit, your clothes are crap or whatever the fuck it is. You know, you can always put uh, positive things in your mind, like I did. You know, positive uh, thoughts. Like, no, that person's, you know, my clothes might be shit, but so what? That's just the way things are. It might look like shit, but who cares? That's not going to be forever. You know, you always put positive things in your life to change it when people are making fun of you and saying shit like this. Because kids can be really cool. You know, I got to a certain point in my age where I, I got really aggressive with everyone. That's that's how I fixed them up. That was my equalizer at the end of the day, which is wrong. You know, it landed me in jail twice. <laughs> But uh, like I said, even now I'm dealing with these issues. I, I, you have to reach out to people that can help you. You know, I go to a counselor that I met that's really, really, really positive. And all my issues I do have in my relationship now because I'm just breaking up with my wife is from my childhood. So, you know, I'm just trying to deal with them more now. It's, it's hard to feel, you know, especially at 46 years of age, you don't realize you have issues until you're actually sitting there someone's telling you about issues. Like, you think that's normal. You think trying to thinking about you know an instant thought of fucking killing someone while you're walking out doing something and he upsets you, it's it's not a problem. You know you shouldn't be thinking about hurting someone, you know like that or you know doing something really bad to this person in an instant when he does something to you. But that's just uh, you know for me that was just the survivor's mentality. Growing up uh, where I was, and that's just how the way I dealt with things. A lot of the kids around our way dealt with things that way. But, you know, remember, you know, all the kids are in trouble. There's always someone worse. And you can always, there's never, you know, you you don't have to go kill yourself like my brother or, you know, um, it wasn't my oldest brother's option to go schizophrenic 35 years ago, but that's just the way he dealt with it. They dealt with it. Um, You know, like I said, I've got issues now that I'm dealing with at the moment at 46 years of age, which is crazy. But yet I'm still fighting. I'm still dealing with them, you know, trying to be a normal person, a better person. And uh, all those uh, facing this uh, sort of stuff can do the same thing. No, yeah, that's it's uh, that's beautiful, and also I think you know to to even if at forty six you're still you're still improving. I think as we all are. I'm more curious. Um, also, as a kid, you know, before you got into fighting, did you have any smaller outlets when people would pick on you or you would face certain abuses from your from your dad or, or life at home was hard? Like, was there things before you got really into fighting uh, that you would do to just kind of take your mind off or? Or, you know, because there's a lot of kids today that, that don't have the outlet of martial arts and maybe they should. Um, and they just don't really know what to do. And that anger is, you know, manifested in, in bad ways or they get involved in gang life. What, what was that like for you growing up? Oh, I, I, um, I sort of used my, my mind to, uh, I escaped inside myself. You know, I just went inside myself and just thought positive things and did things, you know, like, um. Uh, I used to run along uh, the school, uh, along the field, and try and race cars. And as uh, as I was a uh, young kid at night time, you know, I said, you know, we weren't allowed at all. But uh, when when I started getting out there uh, onto the streets, I started uh, racing cars down, you know, things like four hundred meters or something, just trying to race them and beat them. That was one outlet for me. So, uh, and I didn't realize that was sport. That was sport to get out there, like playing footy and things like this. So. Uh, you know, good outlet is sport and martial arts. Um, you know, um, yeah, there's a lot of things you can do. Um, talking to others about it, there's a thing you can do about it, which is which is extremely good. It's helped me a lot with my issues. Because even now at 46, still dealing with them. Were, were you good at talking about these, you know, things that were going on in your life when you were younger? Or is that something you've kind of learned better as you've gotten older? Something I learned as, as I got older, I never spoke a word about my... Uh, my situation as a child, I just, uh, I mean, a few people knew, my teacher knew uh, different things, but I, I never spoke about it at all. I just uh, just grew some big chips on my shoulders and just, you know, went around being an angry person, trying to fuck everything up. <laughs> That's just what happened. And uh, like I said, ended up in jail, met the wrong people and ended up doing wrong things with them. So, you know, that's just uh, what happened. Uh, I'm actually, uh, you know, lucky to be even around these days and not doing a long, long jail sentence, to be honest. Will you talk about um, then how you kind of got lured into, you know, the the wrong people and then ultimately, you know, how for people that aren't familiar with the situation, how you ended up in, in, in jail? Yeah, I just, I, to be honest, I wasn't lured. I just was hanging out with the wrong people. Um, you know, um, 
you know, the first time I got to do, well, not the first time, the time I got caught was uh, was assaulting some guys uh, for their shoes. And the funny thing is, they knew that you know, they knew who we were. <laughs> you know, it was it was the most stupidest thing, and it was during the day. I didn't understand what's wrong with some. I mean, people thought. What the fuck is wrong with these guys? He's going to beat someone off with his shoes. He's like, during the day, too, they didn't give a fuck. You know, that's just, at that time, it was just, I don't know what the fuck was going through our brains. It was just dumb. I mean, nothing really mattered because we were getting fucking screwed over at home anyway. So, like, who gives a fuck? Is there another level to this? Right. And then, um, and then how long did you spend uh, the first time in jail? I got uh, nine and a half months. It was under a year. So, you only do like five and a half if you're a good person. So, yeah, I think I was 16 or 18, yeah, one of the two. So, I think 16 I was. So the first time you went, you were 16? I think it was, yeah. And then really... what What was your mentality when you got in jail? I mean, what what was going on in your head when you first walked in? And... Well, to be honest, I didn't know what was happening. I thought I'd be uh, released you know, in an hour or something, but uh, I didn't realize this was uh, custody. You know, the first three weeks, they, uh, they put you in classification and with all sorts of people, but, uh, you know, uh, and then you realize like, whoa, this is, uh, you know, the good thing about jail was they give you three square meals a day, which is good. You know, it's better than what I got at home. So I actually pretty much enjoyed jail and, um, you know, um, um, met a lot of good people. Um, I know, um, I didn't join a, you know, when I went, when I got classification, cause I was a good, good kid, I went to minimum security and, um, you know, um, worked at an actual dairy farm, to be honest, which was quite good. Uh, yeah, so at least I didn't end up going to medium security jail and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, so it was good. I, I had actually enjoyed jail, you know, three square meals a day. Um, routine. I got I got into routine. That's what gave me routine. And what was, if you had like the one big takeaway from your first time in jail, what was it, you think? It was, it's a waste of time. Okay. You, I mean, I like jail, but it was just a waste of time. I mean, I, I mean, there's other things you could have been doing. Well, I was, you know, I mean, you could have got stabbed or killed or whatever, but it's just, I, I, I just, it just didn't happen. I mean, not, not, to, I didn't, yeah. So, yeah, I, I didn't feel scared at all. Um, I mean, I was pretty much alone at home anyway. So, yeah, but yeah, um, I just knew it was it was wrong to and be there. And were you close with your siblings when you were younger? Like, did they come visit or were they, what was your relationship like then? I don't know. I didn't have any uh, good relationship with my siblings. We were just surviving all of us in our own separate ways, in our own different worlds. We just survived a shitty house. That's then, basically what it was. And so then you get out and you're what, around 17, I guess, uh, or something in that ballpark. And then- 17. Yeah. And then the second time you went to jail was when? I was 20 years old. I think I got three and a half months or something. I, I went to, to um, Mount Heaton Jail, which is like a the rocker, they call it in Auckland City. So I only spent a little bit of time there for assault. Yeah. And what was and what was that for? Assault. Okay. Yeah. And then after that, was there was there ever a turning point, you know, after maybe the second time you were there that you were like, I never want to be back here again? Well, I did. I said that the first time I went in. <laughs> when I first time I went in, you know, I came out. I was like, "Well," and I mean, the second time I was just—I knew it was, it was. I was just—I was just starting a cycle of just jail and trouble. Um, and I was glad I actually moved to a different country. Never been on a plane before. I was glad I actually moved to to Australia to to help my life because I knew. Uh, and the opportunity came up with Dave's brother and stuff. So I was lucky. Um, Things, you know, um, I think God just put the right things in place. I was lucky to uh, to make the right decision at the right time because, you know, my decisions got me in the in the jail in the first time. And, and I was actually, what, 18 or something or 17 or 18. And that's where I started that cycle where you just keep going back around. You do another crime, get back in. So I was basically just starting the trouble, a life of crime, a PT crime. I started then and then. So, yeah. Do you think that... Uh if you didn't have martial arts or even if you hadn't like, le if you didn't leave the country, do you think that you would have then ended up again? Like, was there any kind of discipline of course, on your end? I mean, of course I would have been back in jail, you know, for another assault or another, some robbery or something, some something stupid like that. You know, I started meeting some, some good people, <laughs> if you would say, because <laughs> you meet the best people in jail, of course. And you just, you know, you become friends and then you start doing other stuff, which is, 
And that's what happens. You become into a cycle and you, you, you start doing other stuff. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're looking at 20 years, 30 years, and that's pretty much your, your, uh, your life done in one, in one, uh, in one, one crime. So, you know. Was there any uh, particular mem- memorable person that, that stood out that became maybe a best friend or a particular, maybe even a, a story that stood out from your time in, in jail? Yeah, the first time I went, I mean, I met a guy named, you know, I respected him a lot, especially Josh and Mick, Mick Hensel. We were, it was a minimum security. So um, Josh, uh, Josh Natalfati was a mobster and he wanted me to norm up with him to patch up with the mob. And I was like, Barr. you know, um, there was a few guys that are memorable to me. Um, and I did weights with, uh, with Josh. Um, I hold the bag for him while he's kickboxing. It was some good memories. Um, you know, with Nick Hensel, I respected him because he was, you know, he's a wild but muscly guy. He got five years for stabbing someone. Um, but he was good to you. You know, he worked hard. Because um, when you're a farmer, you work really, really hard. And I didn't realize that until I started working in the farms and milking cows twice a day and getting up at three and getting a bit about six. <laughs> so I think it, it's, a, it's a hard day. Being a farmer is hard. Um, and, uh, you know, I started doing weights when I was with Josh and watching him do the kickboxing, all this jazz. So, you know, um, you know, but, you know, I didn't know up with him. I just, I just, I just, just, just wasn't me. The gang life wasn't for me. I mean, I liked, I don't know, a lot of gangsters and stuff, but I just, I just didn't feel like it was the right way to go. I just, you know, I'd, I'd rather stand on my own two feet and, and, uh, do it that way. I'm not, uh, you know, not, uh, into that, uh, that just wasn't for me. I just didn't think it was right, you know, to be uh, to be part of a you know, gang. I mean, I'm already part of a gang anyway. I got my my kids and my family here. That's my gang. That's it. That's all I need. Were you Were you training in jail? I mean, when you when you got out, how th- I started? I was chubby when I went in. I came out. I was like 95 kilograms and all muscle. So I mean, the scale did say I was uh, fucking obese, but I was like, I got an eight pack. What are you talking about? And I was young. <laughs> You know, at that age, you could do, I could do some, you know, pretty good things. And I could run an indoor track in 11.3. And that was a circular track. So, you know, being young and, uh, and, um, starting training in jail really helped me along, especially with, uh, muscle wise, even though I'm fat now, but uh, <laughs> that's because I love eating. So, <laughs> and that's another issue I have, especially in my side is food. So that's always been an issue, a childhood issue. So, how, how so? Well, well, think about it. When you don't have no food as a kid, you uh, when you get money or something to, to feed yourself, you're going to eat and overeat. Interesting. And it becomes it becomes an issue. So that's it's always been one of my issues with food. Uh, friends of mine, uh, someone I know, always said, "You don't have to gorge. You're always going to eat it again." I'm like, "Ooh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So I'm like a lion, fucking shitloads of food, and you sit there like <laughs> <laughs> you don't know when your next meal is coming. And then, gonna, I think there's a, a switch in there. I've got to flick and say, "You're going to eat again. Relax." And I don't fucking eat the whole world <laughs> and then wait for it. Yeah. <laughs> and so did you know, you know, how early in your, in your kind of martial arts life, did you know that you had particularly good hands, um, that you were kind of built for this? Well, I mean, I was good at, uh, you know, I've got, a, I got beaten up as a, all through my childhood from my dad. So, I mean, you know, fighting's affliction. I'm good at taking affliction, and that's basically what fighting's all about. You just gotta go into the to the gym and train yourself not to get the pain, you know, and not to get the affliction. Because fighting's not about getting hit and hurt; it's about putting hurt on someone else. So I grew up uh, getting hurt from my parents and um, or my dad, and um, so you you know, it's a it wasn't that hard uh, decision to make in the end. Um, when you think about it, <laughs> did they have any uh, particular? Did they? have any particular opinions on when you, you know, started fighting? Did you, you know, lose contact with them? What was, what was that like? Well, my parents were still alive uh, uh, when I was still fighting. When I just started though, you know, I, I bought them uh, a place, a house uh, when I, when I won the world title in 2001, um, you know, but there, you know, I was happy I did. I just, it was something I, I thought I'd, I'd do. I didn't hate my parents. It's just one of those things. You just, they're your parents. You're like a dog. You're never... You know, you, you, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. You know, I mean, you know, it's like a dog. When you beat the dog, the dog will still love you. But uh, because they're my parents, I'll always feel the same way. But um, yeah, there's not that uh, connection and closeness with the, with the parents, with especially my dad. I mean, he died with uh, bowel cancer and he was rotting in the house. I just went and picked him up and went and pushed him in the, in the fucking hospital. <laughs> yeah, man, if I didn't, 
that's really, we shouldn't even have a funeral for him. You should have just let him fucking die. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just zero feelings. I mean, buying the house is, you know, something else. I don't know, uh, I don't know what it is. I just thought it was my obligation. And I'm also curious because, uh, you know, now being a father, how, how has, you know, your childhood affected the way that you father your own kids? Man, I'm a really shit dad. I tried my best, you know, I've been away a long time traveling. I just, I mean, I give my kids whatever they want. I don't, I, I get angry. Yeah, I don't, never touch my kids. I just, I mean, basically they, they, I like them to be outspoken and do what they want. I want them to be in front of the class, you know, not like me at the back of the class. Look, you've got the dishes here, you are freaking everything here and they just, and they're gaming. So that's, that's, you know, and now it's even worse because I'm, I'm single. Um, <laughs> Look, I just don't want my kids to be having adult issues with wild kids, you know. Let the adults deal with the adult shit. Well, my job is to provide for them. I know I'm not a, I need to, need to educate them a lot more on how things work to look after themselves because no one educated me about looking after myself. Um, but that's that's the one thing I'm lacking. I need to teach them that sense. Uh, and um, that's what I'm doing now. I'm trying to spend more time with them. And... Uh, yeah. And how do you, how did you, you know, during your, especially during your, when you were even more active fighting all over the world, really, um, you know, how do you manage, you know, family life and, and fighting and, and doing camps here and there? And, you know, I mean, what's that it like? Hard, like I said, it, it, it's, it's like I said, I spent a lot of time away. Um, you know, uh, it just, it's a hard life to try and live as a fighter's life. And, you know, and especially with all the shit that the UFC and all these, these scumbag companies do, you think, What's the point? Mm. I mean, it's not like you're going to get to, well, for those guys, it's not like they're going to, you know, make decent, they can make decent coin, but not what they should be making is what I should say. And they're not, not what a top fighter, prize fighter should be making. Right. And I know that you're, you know, you're, you're big involved in the antitrust and all that. Um, and, you know, you've talked a lot about that as well for just, you know, I mean, I don't want to bore you with it because you've probably talked about it so much, but for listeners that aren't really familiar with it, will you go over, you know, what you're doing and uh, because you're a big advocate and, uh, you know, voice right now on this, on this subject and, uh, you know, there's going back and forth with people, the UFC and whatnot. Um, just will you just let people know what it is you're doing, and you know, for people that that are interested in supporting that that cause, they can they can know about it. Yeah, well, one of the lawsuits I'm with, I joined the antitrust lawsuits lawsuit guys, and it's a class action. We're, we're trying to bring in the Ali Act, and you know, because the UFC fighters are not employed. Well, you know, I used to work with you for a long time. Um, you know, they're not employees; they don't get the benefits. They're only sharing a, a revenue of probably I think it's, I thought it was like four uh, percent, but I think they said it's like twelve percent or something now, but. Even though if it's twelve you percent, know, is still small for what for it is for the amount of money that that company makes, and the and the only reason that company makes that money kind of money is because of the fighters, not because of Dana, not because of any one of those guys. It's because of those fighters, and it's because of those fans that support the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, the UFC fans, the fans think they're supporting these fighters. They're not. They're, they're paying you know, the the top end fighters. The only people that get money for, for pay per views is the champions, and it depends on what deal they cut with the, with the company. So all that money that those fans, those people are supporting UFC, all they're doing is giving those the royal family of Dubai giving them more money. They're giving these actors, or well, the, the owners of the UFC now are, are the actors, you know, Venus, Serena Williams, Mark Wahlberg, Tony Robbins, all these fuckwits that have plenty of money. Mm. And it's because you guys there are there. Remember that. It's because of all the people that are there, they're there. So they know they're owning this company, whether they know or not, that they're only they're they're, they're paying pittance to these fighters. They should understand that they're they're making money off these guys. So, so what we're trying to do is change the revenue from twelve percent to forty percent is what I think the basketball teams get and what the other, you know, proper sports leagues get. You see, want to be classed as, as as one of the top sports leagues, but yet they're just crooks. They pay uh, minimum below wage. Um, they don't even have. Uh, it just annoys me what a lot of things are doing. You know, the other lawsuit is about steroids and everything. And you know the funny thing is they got the they say they got the best testing policies in the world for for fighting for UFC for drugs, but yet they're not enforce it one time. They only enforce it when they want to enforce it. Mm. So this is the other lawsuit I'm in, um, and that's uh, you know I'm, I'm passionate about both. Uh, what's really annoying me is because you know I've had a uh, you know I've had so many issues with fighting guys that are shooting. I broke my hand sixteen times, uh, fought three or four guys in a row. They've never been punished. 
think the last time they, that I fought was a guy named the guy that I really pissed me off was a guy named I fought Brock Lesnar. I mean, the guy, you know, that he people said to me, like, you knew he was shooting. Look at him. And I'm looking, dude, unless you're a magician and took blood from that guy, then you just all you need to do is look at him and say, Yeah, I can I can see that he's on he's on something, but whether you knew or not, like in your heart, no, you can't you can't go anywhere and say, Well, look at him, he's on steroids. How do you fucking know? Yeah. Just by looking at him, what are you a fucking fortune teller? You can't say shit that you know. You can't take that anyway. You can't take that to a court law and say, okay, where's your evidence? Oh, okay, so I just, I knew he was. They'll say, you knew he was? Okay, how did you know? Look at him. <laughs> they'll yeah. just laugh at you. You know, they'll fucking laugh at you and say, get the fuck out of here, dumb cunt. So, and then the other, um, you know, the, the instances were that they, they gave him a four-month ban, a, a, a waiver, and I'm thinking, why would you do that? And so, and, and then... Um, after that, they they tried to you know they tried they fought they didn't say that they forced me to fight otherwise they'll they'll fire me. Mm. So I had to fight under the duress of losing my job. So they said fight a guy named Josh Barnett who's a fucking cheater, and I said no. I, I said I'd fight him, but put a clause in the contract that states that I'll, that they'll take all his money off him uh, if he gets caught. You know I don't need to just take it off him. I don't want him to earn a cent because he's a fucking cheater. And they said no. And then two days later, the guy pops, and I started laughing. Goes, "Nah, fuck you, you scumbag show." And then they did it again to me. They came and said, "We want you to fight another guy, named, and his name's Alistair Overman." I said, "Fuck!" I was in the game. Oh my gosh, he's the fucking worst cheater. What the fuck's going on? I said, "Look, I'm not gonna fight these cheaters if I know they're cheating, because I just fought their biggest cheater, and you guys gave their cheater a pass." And then they, and then we went back and forth for a while. Then they said, um, "We're not going to put the claws in." This is the letter saying, if you don't fucking fight, we're going to fire you, black ass. And then I was like, you motherfuckers. So, uh, yeah, so I said, you know, okay, I took the fight, then I dropped, dropped the lawsuit in them. I mean, what else can I do? Do they- I keep saying to them, I went, I said to them one time, two times, three times. I kept saying to them, are you doing anything about it? Can you do something about it? And all they say to me is, uh, we've got to put them through the process. The fucking process is rigged by you guys. Jeff Davinsky is a fucking rat, just like you guys, and he's going to fucking turn on your side now. And, you know, I mean, despite catching Lance Armstrong, that that rat fuck is fucking letting people go. I mean, how's that guy get off by saying uh, that incident with, with the, the the fight in Vegas being moved to, to California? I mean, shit. How did he get away with that? Oh, we caught him with a picogram in his system. Who gives a fuck? Picogram, fucking dog shitogram, it doesn't matter. He's got something in his system. Why are you letting him fight? Mm. You know, why does all the fighters have to take a pay Because this fucking rodent can't do it properly like everyone else. Why does a shortcut take a get a get to do it in a different state and all the fans lose up? That's that's what makes me laugh about this guy. That's why I'm, I, I speak up about it, especially with this this and joining antitrust guys, especially for what they're trying to bring in to get a fair, a fair pay packet of what they're actually making. So, you know, that's how I feel on, on all that, uh, all these lawsuits about what's going on. And people will say, you're just the winds of the same man. Fuck you. He's been in it before and he's not even in it now. Yeah, you know, shut the fuck up. And do they, do they like pay you, you know, after, especially after the, because the one that I remember so vividly was the, was the Brock Lesnar fight. Um, and, and, you know, when he popped afterwards, do they compensate you after that? Like, how's that? Do, like, do you get anything no, I, from, from that? No. So I lose out. I don't even move forward. I don't get a, a win on my record. It becomes a no contest. I don't get no money. I mean, I get my, my contract money, but that's it. It just becomes a no contest. So I lose. I, I mean, I get the money that I was fighting for, yes, but I don't get the fair fight mm. in the octagon. The fair fight was taken away because they let that guy uh, go and fight, and they probably knew he was cheating. Like Dana said, they made a deal, him and Vince McMahon. How the fuck is your president going to let those two fuckers, those fuckers start your economy again when they're fucking crooks? I mean, I don't get it. How does Donald Trump say, we're going to let Dana White, this fuckwit, and this other dickhead, Vince McMahon, help our restart our economy? Fucking joke. Just fucking thieves, mate. That's all it is. And now we're just going to take a quick break to talk to you about my longtime sponsor in U.S. Wellness Meats. U.S. Wellness Meats has over 400 all-natural whole foods in their online store at uswellnessmeats.com. All of their beef, lamb, bison, and dairy products are 100% grass-fed and grass 
finished. They also offer pasture-raised heritage pork, free-range poultry, and wild-caught seafood. They specialize in every single diet under the sun and have hundreds of paleo, keto, Whole30, sugar-free, and AIP-friendly options. All of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles, so you will never have any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facilities. Go to uswellnessmeats.com today and when you use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you'll receive 15% off store-wide savings. Again, go to uswellnessmeats.com, use that promo code PODCAST, and you'll get 15% off of every single order. Go check it out today. Now let's get back into it. And in terms of like, you know, I think you've also been, uh, if I well remember, uh, an advocate also on on talking about like the injuries that fighters are going through, you know, CTE, brain damage, stuff like that. Um, you know, for yeah. you, uh, now that you're, you're you know, you're, you're 46 and, uh, you know, do you feel those things on a daily basis? I mean, what's, what's you know, health-wise, you know, because MMA and the UFC and stuff like that are so young still in terms of the, you know, compared to other sports, we don't really see all those long-term effects like we do in, in like an American football, for example. But, uh, you know, as you, as a, you know, almost an OG of the sport at this point, do you start, do you feel those? I mean, what's that like for you? So to be honest, 20 years is a long time. UFC is young compared to the other sports. It's right. not young as in like uh, young, young. It's, right, it's, right. it's 20 years old. So, you know, 20 years old is a long time. It's only young compared to the other sport because those other sports are over 100, whatever years old. Right. So don't use that excuse as it's a young sport. You're still making the revenue. You're still making all that shit. Don't give me their buzzers that, oh, it's a young sport. We shouldn't be having to pay this. That's a horse. That's a load of horse shit. No, right. It's but young it's young compared to... As in, as in, compared to the other sports, right? Exactly. But I mean, as in, there's no, um, you know, there's, there's not that many fighters that have talked out about their, the, the brain damage that they feel because, because of the fact that it's young compared to the other sports, right? Like in American football, for example, there's a lot of people, you know, 30, 40 years ago that started talking about these things because they felt it. Um, you know, and I think now we're going to start seeing people in the UFC talk, you know, retired fighters talk about that brain damage, the CTE. To be honest, I have, you know, um, the UFC try to say that to me. They said, I've got brain damage, I've got CT, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I did an interview and they pulled me off a fight card. Really? I mean, I went and did a, I had to go to Las Vegas to do do these tests. I mean, I've, I've heard some people speak. They can't even string a sentence together yeah. at all. You know, if, if, if my situation was like that and UFC actually cared, then why would they force you to fight or do different things like this? Why would they allow these steroid guys to get away with shit? Mm. You know, if they actually cared about the fighters. They don't care. If they cared about it, they'll bring in the Ali Act and change things. But they don't care. They don't care. They will still give them the fucking 12%, whatever it is. If they actually cared about their fighters, they'll make it 40%. They'll give them to be, they'll actually be employees. There's a lot of things they'll change, but they don't care. All they care about is what? Yes, the money. Yeah, we all, we all, that's, that's what company does, right? So as a, former subcontractor of the company, you know, we got to look out for ourselves. And that's why, I mean, to be honest, what really upset me one time is, 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 is a person said that, that fighters only make 10% up of the UFC, you know? And I was like, yeah, fighters make 10% up, but they're the most important. Mm. Okay. And you're not looking after them. I mean, without the fighters, you've got nothing. This guy was such an idiot. Pissed me off. He's like, the, f- the fighters make up only 10%. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, they do make up only 10%, but that's the show. And you're still not looking after them. You know what I mean? They're still not getting looked after. That's what's so annoying. So as a guy that's come out of that company, knowing all these things, and now it's um, you know, losing the guys that are cheating all these things, there's a lot of things that need to be changed. Um, you can start with um, with with the Ali Act. That, that's, that's an equalizer to fix everything up. People talk about unions being bad. It's bad if, if, if the people on the union board are bad. Mm. You know, um, a union can turn really bad, especially for these companies. But if they if they put the right people on the board, you know, to be fair, not like right now, it's not fair at the moment at all for these guys. Um, people say you're not even part of the union. Yeah, of course. But someone that's come out of this and, and into two active lawsuits, of course I'm trying. I've said something many times and these guys wouldn't do anything about it. So you know what? Fuck it, I'll do something about it. 
And how far along are you in those lawsuits? I mean, what's, what's next for those? Well, hey, they know what, and the boys got to answer next week with my, with my personal lawsuit. Hello. I think we're going to go to, you know, I'd like us, with this trial, it's been on a, a little while. I'd like to see it go to trial. I'd like to see what else they're hiding in their cupboards, these, um, these, these guys, you know, the, the former owners. Um, you know, I'm surprised they haven't killed me yet, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, that's, um, you know, it's in the, the ninth district at the moment. It's in the high court and um, we're going to see what they say next week. I hope this goes to trial so the whole world can see what kind of fucking scumbag these guys are. They, these guys, they used to own the company. And, um, and how they made their billions of dollars and how they sold their company fucking using everyone else to fucking fry to fry everyone else and use everyone else. You know, I'm just different because I don't like to be, you can't shackle someone like me. Uh, you, you can't do that to me. I won't, I won't accept it. I don't give a fuck if you try to kill me or kill me. I don't give a fuck. At least I'll die trying. And for you, uh, you know, what's, what's life like now? I mean, you know, 46, I mean, what's, uh, what's on the cards? What are you doing? What's, what's a daily schedule look like in the, in the life of Mark Hunt these days? Well, these days, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've just accepted another fight and I want to finish my career with six more fights in 46. Uh, I was really unhappy with, uh, working in the UFC for like three years before I finished. You can tell that by my fights. Uh, I mean, I was really unhappy. I was, I was arguing all the time with them. Fuck, I hate those. I hate this form. I mean, there's, uh, I hated how they treated the fighters. Um, and I just wouldn't accept it. So, you know, I mean, a life nowadays is for me is, I'm away from home. I'm going through divorce. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm getting ready for another fight. I have the kids on the weekends, which is really good. Um, I, that's, but that's just me though. That's my life at the moment. I want to finish my uh, career with six more fights and move on. And what do you, Probably, uh, sorry, what do you, what do you see, uh, you know, as life after those six fights? Um, what do you hope to do with life after, after fighting? Have you thought about that? When I probably hang up the gloves, I will never come back. Like I said, I didn't want to be a fighter in the start. But um, I want to, to um, I've got a lot of businesses in place at the moment. I'm going to be opening before the virus. Um, I want to do a lot of things. There's a lot of things on my mind. I want to help a lot of people with management. Um, you know, because um, I have a, a great business model, especially when it comes to fighting for management. I know what what's happening with these, how things work, the contracts. Um, yeah, so a lot of business stuff, a lot of time with my children and uh, pretty much hopefully uh, just enjoying the rest of my life after fighting. I mean, it's a year and a half away, I'd say, um, but I can see the end. I can see the end of me, which is, which is fucking good for me. I hate training. Really? What's, what's training like now compared to, to maybe, you know, 10 or 15 years ago? I got to say, it's a lot harder, you know I mean? I mean, Ty's up here at the moment. I mean, he's he's uh, he's still with the U- the UFC. I mean, we hardly ever talk about uh, it because he's still. I mean, he knows how I feel about my views, but you know, he's still working in this and stuff. And I hope you can make things better for these younger guys coming through, um, the boys and the girls, with the Ali Act, um, the antitrust law, and different things. Um, but training is a lot harder than it was, you know. Like now, I mean, you're talking about. I mean, I was running that day. We we're running in the mornings. Every morning, just is like. He's, he's 27. I mean, he's been with me like five years or six years. And it's so weird because they just, he's a lot bigger than I am. And he's running faster than everything. I was like, man, I just, but you know, I just, I look at it, my, you know, my body's been through, the, I've got the mileage on my body, you know, I've got like an old car. It's been fucking, you know, it hasn't been supercharged. Like, um, the, the car's got, it's been running for a long, long time, you know, with the mileage of running, with the mileage, the mileage of, the, you know, punching the knuckles. But uh, the fight is still there. I can, you know, the, the fire's still burning because I, I want to get that. You know, not only, of course, the money is good, but because um, that's always been why I fought because of the money, but but uh, just to finish happy, you know, my terms. Mm. And it's like, it's a lot harder than, you, you're you not supposed to be doing this at my age, you know. But even now, I still think I'm the best fighter in the world. I still think I'm better than a lot of these fuckers, you know. Do you feel like now also, um, you know, with, with the family, do you feel like you're fighting for your family as well? I mean, are they an extra source of inspiration, not just financially, but, you know, just from a, from a spiritual or mental perspective as well? Well, I mean, I don't care. To be honest, this is this fight that I'm in. It's just, and the losses, it's, it's about fucking change. Mm. You know, I asked Dana and them, I asked them if they could just change this from the start. No financial incentive, no nothing. These guys wouldn't have a bar of it. Mm. I said, just put that clause in. It just changes, you know, it helps the guys that doesn't cheat. 
why couldn't you just put a clause and saying you'll they'll get no money? I mean, you take off thirty percent if they don't make weight. What the fuck is when he's when he's in, when he's knowingly cheating to hurt someone? Fuck! Why don't you fucking penalize him? Mm. They wouldn't have a barber. That's why we're here. That's why we're fucking here right now. And um, you know, despite them having all the all the advantage, all the power, all these things, you got to remember they got that from all the people. They got that power from all the people. The people have let them get away with this. The fighters have let these people get away with this. Mm. You know, and, it, and it's the the people that and the fighters that can change this. In one instance, everyone can just say, you know, what? I don't want to support this company. I don't want to fight for this company. Where do you think they'll be? Yeah. Nowhere. I can tell you where they'll be right now, like any other company. Nowhere. The only thing they're holding on to right now is they keep everyone just enough to eat, just enough to the next pay off the next bills. If everyone said, you know what, fuck you, you're gonna change right now, and that's it. It'll happen in hours. It'll happen like that. Yeah. If these owners, the actual owners of the actual UFC, these celebrities and that knew what was happening, do you think they would they would want to make a change? Do you think they'll stand up and say, look, man, this isn't right. We're not giving him a proper share, or do you think they're just interested in making their boats bigger or getting another helicopter or some shit? Mm. What, what do you think they're interested in? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, money and, you know. <laughs> I mean, I understand about getting to the to this uh, business, making a business and doing the right thing, but, man, these these uh, this is the, the fucking blood game, man. They're, people are fucking getting fucked up here, bro, <laughs> you know? It's fucking, and especially how if some of these athletes got to the top, it's from the support and the love of the people. Mm. Without the people and the love, the support of other people like like you and I, there, there'll be there'll be no celebrities. There'll be none of them. I mean, I don't think anyone. I don't give a fuck about Instagram. The only one I I still think is as great as Mike Tyson, of course, because he's he's like me. Wow, well, I'm like him. He's from the streets. So yeah. And when you when you look back, uh, you know, on your career at least so far, uh. Is there any one moment that you feel like stands out that you'll cherish, you know, for the rest of your life that, that stands out as like your career defining moment or your favorite, you know, fighting moment? Yeah, when I was uh, when I was in K one, when I won the when I won the world K one title, I knew that um, I was a full time. I know I was I was signed before that, but I, I knew that I was I was going to be able to change my life and buy my parents a house, not even buy my house first. I just you know just buy a house for my parents and and um, you know. So that's that was a good moment for me to realize that that you know before you know my ex girlfriend said her mo- her mother thought I wasn't even good enough. I said I mean, like all these people that thought I wasn't good enough. They look at me and said this fat guy and worthless. He's fucking worthless. Like all these other fuckers used to say. Well, I'm not worthless. I'm not fucking useless. I'm a good person and I and I do good things. So yeah, that was a good moment for me. And that's interesting that you just said. That. I don't think I've, I don't think I've shared that with anyone before. Wow, that's the first time I think I've shared it and. Uh, their views on Mark Hunt was uh, a lot different than the views on myself. You wow. know, despite how they thought about me, despite how these people thought that I was worthless and no good. And I think what's also interesting is what you just said of, you know, after you won the, the, the K1 Grand Prix, that your mind went immediately to, I can buy my parents a house, you know, and even though everything that happened, I mean, I think that also kind of shows the person you are, you know, you, you, you care about no matter what happened with your dad, you're still, they're still your parents, right? And you still wanted to, to make, you know, their lives a little bit better. Is that, is that fair? Yes. And that's the thing though, is probably no one taught them and they probably went through a lot of abuse. It's just, like I said, I'm not going to do that to my kids. And I didn't want to put them through. It was hard, you know, cause I had two older kids, which they, they got put through a lot too. Being a person that uh, doesn't know how to be raised by proper parents. So, you know, it's a cycle. So, you know, me trying to fix the cycle on my own part is is good. So, you know, despite my kids being, you know, really hammering me all the time, <laughs> I still think this is the right way for, for them, you know. They, they don't need to be living in the back part of the brain, which is the fight or flight. They need to be living in the middle like everyone, normal person. You know, I know that there's food going to be there. There's no that they're not they have to be scared to go home. Know these things that are normal, not living in the back of the brain like I've lived for 46 years. And how do you help like other parents, you know, that uh, that have kids and came from abusive childhoods to, you know, try to not either to, to refrain from that kind of abuse or to break those bad tendencies? Because I think it's really hard, probably. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, I've seen it a couple of times and I've stepped in um, and it's not good. I mean, anyone that's been in that sort of position, 
will do something about it. Just like when I saw this, well, one time I saw this fucker teacher teaching his kid tennis, a young girl, and he went stupid and, you know, threw the tennis racket. And so I ran and picked the tennis racket, I threw it at him, started chasing him with a fucking tennis court. I motherfucker. <laughs> I've seen it a few times in different things, and I'm thinking, you know, I mean, at least at my age, at that age, I was able to do something about it. You know, not sit like a kid and be scared and go, oh, I can't do anything about it. You know, because I was too scared, you know. Um, I think they've got to look at themselves and, and, and um, you know, I think seeing a counsellor has really helped me a lot, especially with knowing that you live in, there's three brains that you live in, you know, the fight or flight one is at the back. And then that's the one that, that, that all these kids live in as babies too, as they grow up. They live, they're growing up, you know, there's more wear in the nap, there's a lot more things they're scared of because they hear people with loud noises, yelling, arguing. They hear this, kids, babies hear this as they grow up. And they uh, they start living in the back brain, scared of, of uh, you know someone's going to do something to them. Well, they're not they're not uh, they're not safe like me, like how I grew up. And, and you know you get to a point at a certain age where you like you turn that into anger. Mm. Where you have to always defend yourself on different things, you know. And and uh, it's not a good thing living in in the back part of the brain in the fight or flight mode. It's not good. Even any normal person doesn't understand because they 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 sit in the middle here and and think about things properly. Whereas guys will fight or flight, there's only two modes. When that fight or flight's on, these two are not working. So you don't remember anything. That's how I grew up, not remembering a lot of my childhood because I was always living in the back part of my brain. Mm. And that's something I learned from the counselor. That's what a lot of kids need to go and do. A lot of parents that are doing this, they need to go to counseling themselves, educate themselves, you know, and uh, that's 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 the, the best thing. The best thing I learned from the counselor was, you know that you don't live. There's three parts of the brain that you do. You live in, and you've been living in the the number the the back brain, which is the fight or flight. And it's uh, Mr. Angry has always come out to protect. Was there? You, know, it's, it's a, you need to leave Mr. Angry and say, "Hey, man, I got this. I know you're here. You know you gotta you gotta sit with your feelings, like she says. Sit with your feelings and understand them. And your kids gotta understand that uh, that's the sadness. There's all these feelings that they've gotta understand. Was there a point that you felt like, uh, you know? What prompted you to reach out to a counselor? Because I think that's a that's also a huge part of growing and and you know even if forty six or forty or whatever whenever you did it, um, you know and I think a lot of parents who are who who, are expe- who experience some of the same things as you they don't know when or how or was there a moment for you that really prompted you to to go uh, to a counselor? There's a lot of I mean people know the feeling of hunger. I do. You know when you're hungry. So what do you do? You go and feed yourself. There's other feelings that that's inside of you that that what the body tells you because mm. it's a machine. It's smart. It, there are a lot of feelings that you know when if you're trying to when you're hurting someone, you're doing something to kids. You you know you're doing the wrong. You know your mind, your body tells you. You know you have to go and speak to someone, go see a counselor, and they've seen thousands of people like you, like me. You know there's nothing wrong with you. You know I realize there's nothing wrong with me. That's just how I grew up. Mm. That's just the cards I was dealt with. I never dealt. When I said to the counselor, uh, she she asked me, "Have you ever dealt with your issues?" And I said, "Yeah, I've dealt with, with my issues." And I said, and she said to me, "When?" And I looked at her and I said, "Um," <laughs> I was like, "Um," and she goes, "When did you deal with your issues, Mark?" And I'm like, "This, um, never." So she never. So that's she confronted me, and she wasn't fucking around bitch would have jump kicked me if I'd fucking said something else, you know? <laughs> she would have said, fuck. And that's the one thing you 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 know have to learn. You have to learn how to, to sit there and understand and try and open yourself up to this because it, there's a there's a process that, that starts with, you know, there's anger, there's sadness. Um, then, then there's healing afterwards. These are the, the emotions, the process that it works for. You just can't be, you know, I've been angry for 46 fucking years. <laughs> You know, the, the counselor said, fuck, Angry's fucking must be tired now. Fuck, does he ever get tired? <laughs> he's always out there looking for a fight or he's looking to defend someone. Do you want to not be no angry? It's not, yeah, well, of course, because there's no one where you relax more. Your anxiety comes out. You're not, you're not wanting to hurt anyone. You're not trying to, Mr. Angry, there's no need for Mr. Angry to be here. You know, there's, it's time for Mr. Sad to be here so that Mr. Healing can come. You know what I mean? There's a, uh, so, I mean, that's that's when you said before about fighting. That's that's why I was probably uh, that's why I'm probably one of the best fighters in the world. I'm fourth for the longest in the world because of that. Do you feel like fighting saved your life? Of course, without a doubt. And like I said, I didn't even want to be a fighter. Fighting saved my life. 
to be a bit, try to be a better person. Even at 46, I'm trying to evolve and help myself so I can better my kids and my and the, those around me. Of course, I'm always. If it wasn't for fighting and martial arts, I mean, uh, you know, who knows? And I, I say this with the, you know, with the, with the, I really let it go. Who knows what I, I would have done some terrible things. I think. I mean, I've done some things I'm not really not proud of at all. But um, I pay for that with my time. And, um, you know, I just don't want to be making any more mistakes like that. So uh, it's too late for to muck around with these things. And I'm 46. I want to enjoy my life now. So I want to be out of that fucking back end and just live in the middle of the arena, just live around where it's just cruisy, where you don't get, everything's so chilled. I mean, I want to be normal. Now I have a, a very separate question. What is uh, you know you're you're known as the as the king of the walk off knockout. What is what's that feeling like when you uh, when you hit a walk off knockout? Do you know Do you know on the spot that they're out? Yeah, you, you can just feel it. You just know it's like man, and it it's just I don't know how to explain it. But you just you just feel it. You just know. Uh, yeah, I, I think a, a lot of fighters would understand that. But uh, I mean, yeah. Is is it ever like? Uh, does it scare you to know what you're capable of of doing in a way? You know, because you're no no one can really fuck with you. Well, no, that's not really true. I mean, humans we're really weak. We're really piss weak. We well, think we're human tough, wise. We're human wise. Well, I mean, as a human, I mean, and I know fucking we're weak as fuck. Was you know, I mean, the only the only reason why we're the best, we're the alpha in this whole fucking planet is because we can make shit to fuck everything else up. If you know if you're bigger than this, we'll make something to fucking kill you. You know, we'll do something. You know, that's how we are the number one. As a fighter, I think. Um, I mean, like I said, I I like to do. I like to you know spend some time with some of these doctors of this. So we, you know, yeah, I like to make it an even playing field. Then we'll see what's up. You know, uh, with these guys that are fucking cheating. So you know, I don't think that is fair. Those guys need to be, be checked on with all the everyone out of the whole world and see about those guys. You know, those are the guys that are that are. That are unfair. I mean, it's like when they race here with the V8s and, you know, here comes the fucking Skyline with the turbo and everyone's like, this fuck, he's cheating. What the fuck? <laughs> it's like putting a, you know, a normal push bike and they talk about my bike and it's got an electric, uh, you know, current running through it and they go, that's cheating. I was like, brah. <laughs> so it's like the human, the human being, but same thing. They supercharge that shit is fucking next level, cuz. But anyway, yeah. Now to to wrap things up, do you uh do you ever think about about your legacy? I mean, how do you hope that people remember Mark Hunt as a as a fighter, as a father, as a just as a human being? I mean, what what mark do you hope to to leave on the world? Well, like I said, I didn't want to be a fighter at all. All I'm doing right now is just um trying to fight the good fight. I'm trying to make things even. You know, I feel like I, I don't really care what people think about me at the end of the day. I just I want. Uh, if it's going to be a fight, I want it to be an even fight. Mm. You know, and um, if they have rules and, and regulations, then fair enough. You know, otherwise, why not just fucking make it open? Let everyone fucking do shit and don't fucking someone die, you know? I mean, if that's a proper fight, I mean, it sucks. I mean, mixed martial arts is the, the highest you can get. Next thing is fucking weapon fighting. Next thing is shooting. Next thing is fucking full-blown war. So, you know, we've already been to those. There's, there's no good that comes out of that shit. There's good that comes out of sport. We're fighting because, it, it, you know, you can make things even that way. But anyway. And what, about, what about as a, what about strips put fighting to the side? What about as a man? Do you ever think about how, you know, you want to, if there's a legacy that people remember as Mark Hunt the person? Well, like I said, I didn't really ever thought about what people thought about me because at the end of the day, you know I mean? people will think what they think about you anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck. I'm just living my life. I'm trying to live my life accordingly how I think is, is, is right and fair. And, um, you know, I've used the tools that, that and the gifts that's uh, glad that the gifts I've found that God's given me. And that's basically it. So people are going to think of you what they think of you. And to be honest, I'm not going to lose any sleep thinking about what they think because I don't care. You know, I still got to go to fucking do my shit anyway. So, I mean, people, <laughs> you're not going to be be friends of everyone in the world because people are just going to hate you anyway. So, you know, you've probably seen my Instagram. I don't give a fuck about people that talk about talk shit. Fuck. Talk shit about me, I'll fuck you up. <laughs> speaking, I don't give a shit what people fuck. Speaking of uh, Instagram. The only people that I think about is the people that I care about. Mm. Close people to me, 
in my circle and the people that I deal with all the time. Other than that, fuckers. <laughs> Speaking of Instagram, you can follow Mark Hunt uh, at Mark Hunt Fighter on Twitter at Mark Hunt 1974. And they can follow your, uh, your apparel at Juggernaut uh, Mark Hunt. It's coming. When I get some money, it's coming. So, you know, but don't follow me if you're going to be a smart because I'll fuck you up. <laughs> and you don't want to fuck oh, with him. chocolate biscuits, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, it was, uh, it was a pleasure to have you on my show. I really appreciate the time. Appreciate it, man. And, uh, Send me the link I shared for you. Yes, I appreciate you. Take care, man. Talk oh, soon. Man. Thanks, bro. See ya. Bye.